Today's shear begins at the first wide line on Daf Ayin Hey. You'll see it about halfway down your page. Before we begin the actual Gemara, we glance at the side. We have a Nosei Klali heading. Nosei Klali means a general topic heading. In one word, Mumin, the issue of blemishes. We had learned in the Mishnah that a man who uh, marries his wife on condition that she has no blemishes and then discovers that there are blemishes, that is grounds for uh, divorce and and also no uh, receipt of the ksuba. What we are interested in learning about is what constitutes blemishes that would be of such concern. So now we turn to the Gemara. Kol mumen shepoislin v'chulei. The Mishnah had said that all mumen that render a kohen unfit for service in the there's any blemish that renders a Kohen unfit uh, a, that goes without saying then that a Kohen who happens to be blemished cannot serve in his priestly capacity in the service of the Beis HaMikdash so any, though, any of those blemishes that render a Kohen unfit render a woman uh, blemished <clears throat> in other words she's considered unfit as well as far as the marriage is concerned the Gemara continues. Tana, we have a Tanaic source that says, Hosifu Alehen. Note, by the way, that this is noted as <coughs> source Aleph. Uh, on the next line, an alternative source is going to be presented and we'll have to resolve them. So it says here, Hosifu Alehen. Hosifu means there was added to the list of blemishes regarding women that you do not find by Kohanim the following three problems Zeah, Vishuma, Vereachapeh it's a little early at this point in the Gemara to commit ourselves to translations but we'll, we'll give a translation leaving in mind that we have to have some pl- flexibility on this point Zeah is in the realm of um, sweat uh, possibly body odor uh, Shuma is a wart, and rechapeh is bad breath. Now, so that these according, these uh, problems, according to this source, are not problematic in the realm of kehanim. The Gemara asks, "Vahani bekehani lo pasli." These do not. Is it really so that these do not render a coin unfit? Vahatanan. We have a Tanaic source that deals with animal blemishes, and that has relevance in the realm of sacrificial offerings. So it says regarding Mume Behema, Hazokain Vahakhila Vamizuham, an old animal, a sickly animal, and Mizuham. Now we want to make the assumption that Mizuham is equal to Zeya and Reachapeh. Utnan, and it's furthermore taught, Mumin Elu, Bain Kvuin, Bain Ovrin, Psulim Bodam. These problems, whether they're passing, they're temporary, or they're fixed, they're, they're constant, constantly there. Kvuin means constantly there, Ovrin means they're temporary. 
Psulin Badam, Adam means man, it's a reference to Kehanim. They would render a Kohen unfit. So, in simple terms, we have source Bayes. This second source is saying that Zea and Rechapeh are unfit by Kehanim. Source Aleph said they would not be unfit in the realm of Kehanim. So, how do we resolve this? We have a couple approaches. Omer of Yossi. Rabbi Chanino, lo kashi, there is no difficulty here. Kan bezea oiveres, kan bezea she'enoi oiveres. Zea is, again, we'll translate it as uh, sweat or body odor. That's oiveres, that's temporary. So that is not a problem with kaihanim. If a person, if a kohen experiences this, experiences zea oiveres, it's not a problem for him to serve in the Beis Hamikdash, Kan Bezea She'ena Overis, permanent Zea problem. So that's something that will render a Kohen unfit. So Source Aleph says that Zea Overis is a problem only by women, and Source Bayes is saying that Zea, that's not Overis, that's a problem even by Kohanim. Rav Ashi Omar, Zea Amazuham Koramis. Rav Ashi his approach is to really focus in on the translation. Source Aleph used the word Zea. Source Bayes used the word Mezuham. Up till this point, where we were associating that the, the terms are interchangeable. Ravashi says, no, they're different things. Hosom Gabi Koyhanim, Efshur Abra Bekiwa de Chamro. In other words, maybe we should be just a little more accurate in saying that in source Aleph, you see, Zea is used, and we were thinking that Mizuham poses a problem in source base to that which was said in source Aleph. But Ravashi says, no, you can explain them as follows. We glance at Rashi, Zea a Mizuham Koramas Lav Rum It's not a Contradiction. Mizuam equals gufo masriach. He has his body um, has a uh, foul odor. Uba odom nami posel. That is unfit in the case of kohanim. Avolzeo di odom eno poselus be kohanim. Kiliktoni hosifwalehem. Zea, that would be sweat. So that you have mizuam is total body odor and zea is sweat. So Rav, Rav Yossi says, uh, that is Rav Ashi says, Hosom Gabi Kehanim, when you're dealing with Kehanim, and you have a, we'll say, a Zea issue, Efshur Laabra Bekiwa Dechamra. There's a way to uh, eliminate it, to uh, push it away, Labra is to have it removed, by using Kiwa Dechamra. Uh, Rashi says that this is a it's a type of wine or wine byproduct. So he would apply this uh, to himself until he finishes the avodah, the service in the Beis Hamikdash, so that while he was serving in the Beis Hamikdash, the zea was not a problem. And as far as the that was um, mentioned in source Aleph, which is problematic only by women and not by Kehanim. Why is it not a problem with a Kohen? Nami While he's doing the Avoda, 
the reach hapeh, the bad breath, can be neutralized by having uh, pilpula, often translated as a little peppercorn, in his mouth that would uh, counteract the bad breath and serve thusly. Avol gabi isha lo efsher, but with regard to a wife, a husband and wife, where he's conversing with her at all times, she, she can't be expected to uh, use a pilpula to uh, neutralize the reach hapeh. The Gemara continues now with a focus on Shuma. You'll notice we have arrow arrows. You have one here. You have one of several lines up. Second wide line where the Tanaic source mentioned that Shuma is a problem by women, not by Kohanim. So the Gemara asks a question that lasts a few lines. Hai Shuma Hechi Damya. The Shuma, the wart that apostles that renders a woman uh, unfit for marriage and only women, not Kayhan, and what is the case? If it's a wart from which a hair grows forth, this would render Kayhanim and women unfit. If it doesn't have the hair, well, if it's a large wart, in both cases of Kayhanim and uh, women, it re- would render them unfit. If it's a small wart, in both areas, it doesn't render it unfit. Uh, and bearing in mind that we have to find a situation where a distinction is made. This uh, Tanaic source uh, speaks about the warts. A wart that has a hair growing out of it, that is a clearly defined blemish. Ain Bosear, if it doesn't have a hair growing out of it, Gedolo Hareze Mum, a large one would constitute a blemish, Ktana Ain Zemum. A small one is not considered a blemish. Bezo he Gedola, what is considered large, Pirushrip Shumam Leel, Ad Ki From something very large down to the size of a coin, a coin uh, called an Isar Hitalki, the Italian Isar. So our question ends here. We don't see a case where a distinction will be made between kaihanim and women with regard to Shuma. Omer of Yosi Barchanina, Beoimedes al Padachta. So Rashi adds that we're talking, in fact, about a small Shuma with no hair growing from it. However, it's on her forehead. The Gemara asks, on her forehead, Padachta, Rovin, Ifayasu. A man meets a woman and she has this uh, f- this uh, phenomenon about her. So he saw it. He likes her anyway. He agrees to it. So why should that be grounds for a divorce? Omar of Papa, but Imedis law tachas kiposha It's on her forehead, but it's at a point that a that uh, a woman's head covering uh, um, hides it. Sometimes it's visible and sometimes it's not. So we're, we have a situation where the man met the woman while at a, at a point that the kippah shel rosha, this, this headscarf or headgear was covering it, and uh, then when they got married, it became uh, revealed. And it's on those grounds that he uh, would not have married her. Omar of Chizda, Hal Milsa, Migava Rabba Shmili. Actually, before we go on, let's just note on the side, 
we have um, additional numberings. We didn't mention this earlier, but the uh, we had a Nosea topic heading a couple lines above where we listed different problems opposite where they appear in the Gemara. So you can see above, we discussed Zeah, we discussed Shuma, and now we're at number three, Noshcha Kelev, the Nasimakimitzalekis, a person bit by a dog and there remained a scar. And number four, Kul Ova, a thick or horsey, coarse, gravelly type voice. And five, Dodim, uh, Dodim are women's breasts, Merevach uh, Benam, and the, and Gasim. You'll see. Two aspects of that has to do with a with the space between them, the distance between them, and oversized. So now the Gemara. Rav Chista tells us Hal Milsa the following: Migavro Rabo Shmili. I heard it from a great man in Monu. Who's the great man? Rabbi Shilo. What did I hear from him? Noshcha Kelev If a person was bitten by a dog and as a result, the place of bite, bite, uh, the where it, he was bitten, uh, a scar was left. That constitutes a blemish. Amar of Chista, Kol Ova Beisha Hare Zemum. And here, Rav Chista on his own is saying that a horsey or coarse, gravelly voice, th- literally a thick voice, by a woman, Hare Zemum. That's considered a blemish. In Amar. The Posuk in describing a woman's voice, it says, Ki orev nove. Your kul, your voice is orev, is pleasant, and your appearance is beautiful. So we have the kul of a woman being described as orev, and an, a kul that's ove, that's thick, wouldn't uh, constitute something, uh, in the case of a woman, of a, of a pleasant nature. Tony Ravnosan Bira Ravnosan Bira teaches Bain Dode Isha Tefach. The distance between breasts of a woman is a tefach, a handbreadth. Sovar of Acha Braidurova Kameid Ravashi Lemar Tefach Lemal Yusa. When Rav Acha heard this teaching, the he understood that this is a good thing, a proper, a nice uh, characteristic. Omar lay Ravashi, Ravashi said to Ravacha, I have news for you. He says, Gabi Mumin Tanya. This teaching of Rav Nosabira is in the context of blemishes. So that that would that that would then mean that a that a um, Distance of a handbreadth of a of a full tefach between the dodim is considered uh, unseemly. So if that be the case for kamo, so what's considered pleasant? What's considered nice? Omar Abaye, shalosh etzbois, the uh, distance of three finger widths. Tanya Reb Nosson Omer Kol Isha Shedodeha Gasin Michel Chaverta. Any woman whose breasts are larger than her friends, that is a blemish. We'll say larger than, well, the comma, how much larger than other women? 
Omar of Mesha Barbre de Rav Yeshua ben Levi, Mishmei de Rav Yeshua ben Levi. So you have Rav Mesha, the grandson, quoting his grandfather, Rav Yeshua ben Levi, Tefach. The, uh, let's say, the discrepancy of a Tefach in size would constitute the moon. Is, is there such a thing? Seems to be a, a very large um, discrepancy. Could there be such a thing? In yes, the Omar Rabba Babrachano, Aniro Isi Aravio Achas. Rabba tells us I once saw an, an Arab woman, Shifshilo Dodel Lachorel, Viniko Esbino. This is a um, pretty amazing uh, this description of a of a woman that was capable of of, of let's say slinging her her dodim her breast over her back over her shoulder and uh, the, and and nursing her child from behind. So of course that would entail something quite um, enormous in size. Now we mentioned Rav Mesha a moment ago, so here we have a posuk that he will darshan. So since, uh, once again, you have a case of a, a, a point in the Gemara whose presence here is only because of the, uh, the, the name uh, similarity. Ulutzion ye Omar, ish ish yulad ba, fuhu yuchonanel elyon. So the Posuk is dealing with Tzion, with uh, Jerusalem, with Israel, and... Uh, Omar of Meisha Bar Braid of Yeshua ben Levi, he explains whether one is born in Zion in uh, Israel, uh, or Zion is a term that can refer to the base Hamikdash, it can refer to Jerusalem, it can refer to Eretz Yisrael. So whether one is born there or one is looking forward to it, to being there. So the uh, double expression of ish ish, uh, even though the pasuk itself features one who was born in Israel, uh, but the praise that this pasuk affords applies not only to one that's born there, but also one who looks forward to it. Omar Abaye Chad Minayu Odif Kitre Minon. One of them, one of the people born in Israel, is considered twice. As as wise and sharp as as one of us, one of us meaning we who dwell in Bovel or in the diaspora, But one of us, when we go there, Teretz Yisrael, Odif becomes twice as good as the locals, and that would mean like it would, go, it would be a basically a four hundred percent increase. When Yerbiria was here in Bovel, he had a difficult time understanding what the rabbis were teaching, were saying. And then we went to Eretz Yisrael. He then referred to us as Bavloi Tipshoi, as the as the foolish Babylonians. So, so Rabbi Yirmiya had gone from a from from Bavel, where he had a hard time understanding the rabbis, and then when he came to Israel, he had become so sharp and and insightful that he he felt that the Babylonian rabbis uh, were Tipshoi, were foolish. 
Before we go further, we have a topic heading, and they'll say, and we indicate this goes till daf ayin vov. Noldu mumin sofek brishus of yah sofek mishinis arsa almilahavi raya. A woman develops blemishes, and there is a doubt: is it a blemish that developed in her father's domain before the marriage, or after he, the husband, married her? And if it developed after the husband married her, naturally the husband then has no claim of uh, of divorcing her on the grounds that here she he married a blemished woman because it then it turns out that it developed only after he was married to her. So when there's a doubt concerning the the timing of the blemish appearance or development, who has to bring proof? Naturally, if the proof if uh, 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 it happened after the man married the woman, and let us say he wants to divorce her, so he'll have to pay the ksuba. And if you're dealing with a katana, for example, if you're dealing with a minor, so the ksuba payment will go to the father of the girl. The Mishnah. She had uh, blemishes appeared, and she was still in her father's domain. The father would have to bring proof if he wants to, let's say, um, have the upper hand, if he, uh, to um, maintain the marriage, he'll have to bring proof uh, that after the marriage took place, the Erison is the first stage of marriage, during which time the the girl is going to continue in her father's house until the time of Nisuin, where the marriage is consummated with the chupa and first act of intimacy. However, if the father is successful in bringing proof that the mum developed after the erusin, then. Uh, the father says, you, "It's your tough luck." He says to the husband, and it's, it's an expression that your like your field was washed away. It means it's your loss. Rashi says, "If the father comes to collect the ksuba from this man, from the husband that doesn't want to." marry her. If the husband refuses to marry so he'll have to divorce her and pay the ksuba, but only if proof can be brought that the mumin developed after the erusin. Nichnesah the Rishus Habal if the woman entered the husband's domain, that means Nisuin, and he wants to divorce her without paying the ksuba based on the, the uh, noticing or the appearance of these mumin, the husband, in order to avoid paying the ksuba, would have to bring proof that the blemishes were there before he married her initially, the Hoya Mechel Mechatos and the uh, a marriage that he had 
conclu- that he had done was a mistake. Divrei Rabbi Meir. That's the approach of Rabbi Meir. V'chachomim oimrim ba'med devorim amurim. When can a husband claim uh, that these mumin are grounds for divorce? B'mumin shebeseser. All of this has relevance to mumin that were not overtly visible. They were hidden. Avol b'mumin shebegoloi, but exposed blemishes, Eino yochol liton. He can't claim the the, the uh, mum the blemish as grounds for uh, divorce or, or or splitting up without having to pay the ksuba, because he he saw it, he was aware of it, and he it, he agreed anyway. Vim yesh merchutz here. If you're dealing with a couple that got married in a community where there's a bathhouse. Even regarding the the covered parts of the body, the covered blemishes, he cannot uh, use the mum as a claim for disbanding the marriage and not paying. Because he is able to check her out, so to speak, through his female relatives that saw her Unclothed in the bathhouse. So, as far as the, that case or that scenario is concerned, there would be no distinction between Mumin Shebagoli and Mumin Shebaseser. Before we uh, go into the Gemara text itself, you'll notice that we have uh, diamonds that appear, and on the side of the Gemara, under the Nosei Mivne heading, the diamonds highlight Diukim Meha Mishnah. They are inferences drawn from the Mishnah. Gemara Sheelis, the Reishok Rebbe Yeshua v'Sefagam Liel Ha'itochein. The Gemara will ask, and this is a Gemara based on um, approaches and information that we saw at the at the very early part of this Mesichta. We saw a Machlokis Tanoi between Rebbe Yeshua and Rebbe Gamliel when a controversy arose in terms of claims between a husband and a wife who is granted believability. And we saw that Rav Gamliel tended to side with the woman's claims and Rabbi Yeshua tended to side with the man's, the husband's claims. So when we approach this Mishnah and draw inferences from the different parts of it, we're going to end up <clears throat> uh, will end up coming out that the first part of the Mishnah is in accordance with Rabbi Yeshua, and the second part of the Mishnah is in accordance with Rabbi Leo, and you have an unnamed Mishnah, you would assume that there's one uh, author in, of this Mishnah, and hence this presents a problem. Uh, later in the Gemara, you'll notice a volcano shape, a trapezoid and they highlight, those markings highlight, and they're also numbered in the Gemara, three gishot, three approaches, lahazbir Mishnah Senu, through, with which we can explain the Mishnah. We have a, an additional note, a starred note, in the uh, other margin of the Gemara, <coughs> which reads as follows. This is a, a general introduction 
to uh, what we'll be seeing in the Sukya, in the Gemara. I'm reading the note on the side by the star. As we go down this omit of Gemara, Gemara will make reference to different Chazokas. The word Chazoka has to do with a status, with a known status or an accepted assumption. Exactly how to translate the word Chazoka that will be done as we go through each case. Uh, in, with regard to the immediate Keta, Keta is the section of Gemara, Yesh, number one, Cheskas Momon, Shel Habal. There's a concept of the uh, known status of the money. When we talk about the money, we're talking about the husband's requirement to pay out the ksuba to the wife in the event of a divorce. So where is the current uh, location or what is the current status of the money? Well, it's the husband's money. So until anything is paid out, he is the uh, possessor of the money. So he is said to have a chesgas momon. She mishamishoy this chazoka serves the husband mul tainas ho'av o ho'isha It serves him in response or opposite the or the counterclaim of the father of the girl or the woman herself that shetoivim haksuba that are laying claims on the ksuba, so that when you have an issue of doubt, one method of serving of settling a doubt is to look at the chazaka, so that the cheskas momon that the husband has, if there's an issue of doubt, we would say leave things as they are, and the money would remain by the husband; he would not have to pay. We have another chazaka. Cheskas Gufa, the uh, woman's body. When we talk about mumen, mumen are unusual. It's not something that you would you assume a person has. Ha'amed haguf al cheskasai ubeloy mumen nolda. You would assume you would say that the the body has its own blemish-free status. Namely, that the, the girl, when she was born, she was born without the blemish. And that strengthens her claims. If you, just, if you skim down or you scroll down the page, you'll see there are other kinds of chazokos, uh, other kinds of say uh, assumptions. I almost want to say social assumptions or known statuses that are uh, are presented in this Gemara. Uh, so you can see if you allow your eye just to skim down the page, you'll see additional concepts. Chazakus Noisofas. We're reading on the in our margin. Shenisgru beketa shel chuvas rav. Additional chazakus that are. Re, that are referred to when we get to Rava's response in how to resolve our Mishnah. So you have a Chazoka Einonim Sheisu Bekeisam Kenbotko, and that's in the skipping just a couple lines is number two Chazoka Einonim Mefayes Bemumin. So we'll see that as we go on. Let's now turn to the Gemara text.
Kaimo de Maisi Ho'ov Raya. If the father is able to bring proof, then he will be believed. Ho'lo Maisi Ho'ov Raya. If the father does not bring proof, and we should, by the way, we should maybe look, just look back at Omen Aleph where the starred where the star appears, and Omen Aleph, we spoke about a, uh, a situation of Mumin that were revealed while she was still in her father's domain. The father has to bring proof that the Mum developed after the husband had married his daughter. So we're saying that the father will be able to advance his claim if he can bring proof that it's after the uh, marriage took place and that if the husband insists on divorcing her, he'll have to pay the ksuba. Now we can, in, we are medayat, we infer, if the father cannot bring proof, now, uh, whatever the proof is, it has to be proof. We, we often speak about bringing witnesses, but whatever it is, if the father does not bring proof, you'd have You'd have a uh, a father versus a husband, uh, each one arguing with one another. Who would we believe? We would believe the husband. Well, what do we see from this? This the believability of the husband is because the husband is coming to the fore with a chazoka, and we say hamed momon bechesgoso, leave the money where it is, so that the husband would not have to pay out. The ksuba. Of course, that is true, as if we just leave it as a as a uh, a head off between the father and the husband, as opposed to a case where the father could bring proof that the moon developed after the marriage set in. So then the father would be able to claim the ksuba. We speak about, by the way, the father claiming suba. This is a case where the girl is still a minor that the father had married off. Moni. The Gemara asks, this idea of saying hapal mehemon, this is in accordance with whom? Rebbe Yoshua he. This is in accordance with Rebbe Yeshua, the Omar, that has said, and this we saw much earlier in the Mesechta, lo mipio onu We don't live based on her claims. In other words, to put matters simply, Rabbi Yeshua believes the husband and he doesn't follow the Cheskas Haguf to say that, well, she was born without blemishes, which would have been a claim to strengthen her argument, her father's argument, that she was, the, the blem- that the blemish developed only later on after the marriage. Rabbi Yeshua places emphasis on the Baal and the Chezgas Momon, the, uh, the status of possession of money that the husband that the husband enjoys. So, once again, just to review the main point, the ratio of the Mishnah reflects the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua that husband versus wife, or wife's father who represents her, husband is believed. When we continue reading our mission, and it said, if the marriage reached the Nisuan level, and she entered the husband's domain, 
and then the husband discovers that she has a blemish, uh, the husband would have to bring proof uh, that the blemish was there before he married her in order for him to be able to uh, divorce her without paying a tsuba. The only reason that the husband would be able to win out in that case is because he brings proof if the husband wouldn't be able to bring proof, you just have the Baal versus the girl slash father. If he can't bring proof, then the, the father of the girl, which represents the girl, the, the wife, he would be believed. He would be believed, claiming that the mum in fact developed after the marriage took place and that if the husband wants to divorce her so the husband will have to pay out the money So, and the, in the absence of a husband bringing proof the father is believed this would then favor Rabbi Gamliel's position in husband versus wife controversy Rabbi Gamliel has said she is believed she has a cheskas hakuf she was assumed to have been born without a blemish. So she's considered blemish-free. And if, the, if the husband wants to claim that she's blemished and that it happened before he married her and that his whole deal with her was a mekaftos, the husband would have to bring proof. In the absence of that, we believe the father, the father slash girl. That goes like Rabbi Gamliel. So we said this is a problem to have the one Mishnah with, with split authorship. Well, Omer Rebelozer, Tavra, Mi Shishonazu, Lo Shonazu. That's exactly what Rebelozer says. We have two authors in the Mishnah. He who taught the Reisha, and what did we say? The Reisha appeared to be authored by Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua is giving believability to the husband, and that would carry through to the case of Nichnas Olerishus Habal as well, according to Rabbi Yeshua. The Seifa was a reflection of Rabban Gamliel, who believes the father, and that means we will believe the father all the time, not only in a case where the uh, girl had uh, entered the husband's domain, but even prior to that, even when she was still in Rosh Hashanah, we believe the father. In other words, the, the location of the woman, i.e. Rosh Hashanah versus Rosh Hashanah, makes no difference. If you are Rabbi Yoshua, you're going to believe the Baal. If you are Rabbi Gamliel, you're going to believe the Av. Okay, that's Rabbi Elozer's approach. You'll notice that we have a bracketed section. On the side, we have a starred note, which reads, Tam HaSograyim, The reason we have this is a type of skip, if you want to appreciate the continuity of answers without interruption, so you would skip the bracketed section, and you see, Rava Omar, Rava, he will tell you that, and this is not in the words of the Gemara, but Rashi points it out, that the Mishnah is according to Ramam Leo in its entirety. Well, by saying it's Ramam Leo, that means we're 
we generally speaking would favor the the father or the girl's the woman's claim. And if that be the case, we have to then explain the this the seeming contradiction in terms of the inferences that we drew from the Mishnah. That's as far as the Gemara right after the brackets, where again Rafa comes to resolve the Rasha with the Seifa, and Rafa's point is it's the Mishnah is authored by one individual. In the meantime, we having uh, mapped out the Gemara a little bit, we go into the bracketed section, and our note says that within the brackets, the Gemara will be focusing, will be elaborating on Rabbi Yoshua's opinion. Glancing at the side, we have a tat no se, a subtopic heading, where we've written Biur Shitas Rabbi Yoshua. Here, as we mentioned within the brackets, we're going to focus on Shitas Rabbi Yoshua. Mosai, when is it that lo azlinon bosar cheskas haguf? When is it that Rabbi Yoshua disregards the concept of cheskas haguf as we had just seen. We saw Rabbi Yeshua, uh, um, according to uh, Rabbi Lazar's understanding, that where the husband has a cheskas momon, that wins, ov- wins out over the, the girl or the father's claim of the cheskas haguf, the body being blemish-free. So, in the brackets, Omar Rava, lo tema, don't say the following. The following is that which we have in singular quotation marks. Don't say Rabbi Yeshua lo azu basur cheska chazoka degufa klal. That uh, Rabbi Yeshua this, uh, disregards that concept altogether. Not so. Elo, rather, ki lo azu Rabbi Yeshua basur chazoka degufa. When is it that Rabbi Yeshua disregards the chazoka degufa? Hechodiko chazoka de mamoina. Where there is an opposing force of the cheskas mamon that the Baal enjoys. Avo hechodaleko chazoka de mamoina. Where you don't have an opposing force of Cheskas moment. Also, Rabbi Yeshua, Bosser, Chazaka de Gufa. Rabbi Yeshua will follow the Chazaka de Gufa. He will grant it strength. Desanya, and here is a manifestation of that. This is not in the realm of uh, women or husband-wife controversy. The source is from the realm of Negoyim, of Tsoras, the Sanya, if Im Baheres Kaidim Laser Lovan, Tomei, these are technical rules regarding establishing a person as a Mitzorah. So we're not going to get into the uh, whole realm and, and uh, corpus of law that governs. Uh, Tzoras. Let's just stick to the translation, and the point will be made anyway. If the Baharis is the bright or white spot that is symptomatic of Tzoras, if it appears on the body before the growth of a white hair that emerges from within that white spot, Tomei, that will establish the individual as a muchlot, as a as a mitzora, with all of the 
um, we'll say seriousness uh, that is associated with the, with that status. A Matsora, he's sent out of the community in a uh, walled city. That is, he's he's meant to dwell outside the wall, and he's alone, etc. So if the white spot develops first on his flesh, and the and the sayer lovan, the white hair grows from within in that order that establishes tumor. In sayer lovan if however the person experienced the growth of a white hair on normal flesh, and then around the white hair there developed a baharis, a bright spot, a white section of flesh. Again, the order in this case is first white hair and then the skin uh, discoloration. Tohar. That indicates uh, that whatever he is, he is not a Mitzorah Muchlat. Safek Tomei. If you have a doubt which came before what, so the Tanakama rules, he's considered defiled. And here we want to emphasize, we've underlined his name, Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Keha. My keha, what is meant by that word? Omar rabo, keha is tohar, meaning for our purposes, you have a person that was known to have a cheskas haguf. He had a bodily status of non mitzora. Now a doubt arises. Well, we mentioned earlier that the uh, concept of chazaka is used to settle a matter which is in doubt. So here you have, on the one hand, a doubt as to which came first. On the other hand, there's a cheskas haguf, that the man was tor, he was known to have been mitzoras, free up till this point. We let, Rabbi Yeshua says, let the cheskas haguf settle the matter. So you see that Rabbi Yeshua himself acknowledges the concept of cheskas haguf. All that we had said before was, according to Rabbi Shur, when the Cheskas Haguf is confronted by a Cheskas Mamon, the Cheskas Mamon of the husband will win out over the Cheskas Haguf of the girl. And again, when we speak of the girl, bear in mind, girl means girl and her father, because her father, because we're dealing with a minor, so the father represents the girl. Continuing, Rava Omar, you can see we've marked him as we said before, already maybe a couple of times. He is a second approach to resolve what we saw above in the two diamonds. We had a Mishnah, part of which appeared to be according to Rabbi Yeshua, part of which appeared to be according to Rabbi Liel. So Rava says, and Rashi adds this, that the Mishnah understand it to be according to Rabon Gamliel. Reisha, as far as the Reisha, which meant Oida Beves Avia, where the girl was still in her father's domain, Kan Nimtsu, the Kan Hoyu. The Amumin were found while she was still in her father's domain. Therefore, where you find them is where they were. That's a literal translation. But since the the Mumin were found while she was still in her father's domain, it's on the father. The burden of proof is on the father to say that they weren't here all the time, but rather they developed later. Seifa, where the Mumin were uh, were um, exposed in the husband's rishus, Nami, the same principle. Kan nimsu v'kan hoyu. 
what you see here is the Mishnah, as far as Rav is concerned, is quite consistent. The determination of who has to bring proof is based on this concept of where it was found. It, the burden of, of proof is on that individual. So if the Mumin were discovered in the husband's domain, we would say, well, they developed in his domain unless he can bring proof that they developed prior to his marrying her. Triangles now appear, and you'll see if you skim down the page, you'll see how they appear in alternating directions. On the side under the Mivneh, the structural note, we indicate that the triangle is a makav, an attempt to keep track of the give-and-take nature of the Gemara. The point facing up represents kushios, the inverted triangle represents chuvos, responses. Esve Abaye. If once she enters the husband's domain, of course this is a quote from the Mishnah, you should use the arrow if you should want to see where this quote is coming from. You have an arrow to the immediate right-hand side of the Gemara text, uh, pointing to, indicating to look at Omid Aleph, and you see at the lower part, three lines from the bottom of Omid Aleph, the corresponding arrow. So the Mishnah had said the following... Once she enters the husband's realm, the husband has to bring proof that the mum uh, developed before he married her altogether. And that his deal with her was a mistake. His mekach, literally his purchase, his acquisition, his establishing of, of the marital status was all on, on erroneous grounds. Now, we emphasize, ad shiloh tisares in. How will the husband win out? Only if he can bring proof that the mumin were there a long time ago, meaning even before the erusin. Mishitis ares lo. If he would bring proof that the women were there while she was still in her father's house, but at a point in time after the erusin, that would not work for the Baal's claim. It wouldn't benefit the Baal. Now we have to spell out. When we say here, Mishitis ares lo, if, if let us say the husband would bring proof that the women were there. Uh, while she was still in her father's house after the Arison, uh that wouldn't work, we said, even though she's still in her father's house, that is not enough for the husband's benefit. Ve'amai, why should that not be enough? Lema kan nimsu v'kan hoyu. In that case, why couldn't the husband say, here, I brought proof that the women were there while she was still in the father's domain, and as we saw, according to Rava, that is, once a mum is, let's say, exposed in the father's domain, so the burden of proof falls on the father, and without that, the husband should be believed. So that the husband should be believed, even if he could bring proof that the mum developed after the Arusin, but while she was still in her father's domain. And yet, 
the Mishnah is insistent on the husband in order to defend his position that he have to bring proof that they were there from way before, from before the Arison. Omar lay. So, uh, so Rava answers. Mishinis Arsa, the case or the situation of bringing of the husband bringing proof that the women were there after a after the Arus and after that point in time, you want to know why that's not going to help. Mishum diiko lemeimar because there is an additional chazaka that is going to work against the husband in that case. And what's this additional chazaka? Chazaka ein odom shoyse bekois elo imkain bodko v'hai ro v'nefayis hu. What's this new status? This new chazaka. The, the Chazaka is a, I, like, I would call it, as we said, we termed it before, a, a social assumption that people, here first we'll translate, a person doesn't drink from his cup until he checks it out beforehand. Uh, if you want to just focus on the literal understanding of that, if a person is, let us say, he's going to be drinking a cup of water. He looks into the cup of water to make sure that there is no, let's say, foreign bodies that are doing the backstroke or, you know, floating around in his cup of water before he drinks. So now, let us add another extremely important detail. The Tanaic source from which Abaye was asking was a case of We're talking about a case of she had entered the husband's realm. That means she there was chuppah, there was the marriage canopy, and there was a, a, an initial act of intimacy. The man isn't going to take her into the chuppah, take her under the marriage canopy, that final stage, unless he checked her out before. So that's an assumption. That's a chazaka. There is what called the the uh, accepted status of people's behavior is that prior to their bringing them into the chuppah, they would have checked them out. So here you have a case of a man that had brought her into the chuppah because the source said Sabal. So that being that we've gone so far of Sabal that establishes an additional, let's say, problem for the husband, insofar as, hey, buddy, you must have checked her out before you took her into the chuppah, before you went this far. You must have checked her out, and you saw whatever, you know, as you saw, it means you became aware of, uh, through the, uh, the other, the female checker, checkers that we mentioned before, in the merchats, you must have checked her out some way, and you, whatever was there, you accepted so, if the husband at this point, after Nichnesola Chupa, after Nichnesola Rishus Habal, he brings proof, he, he, he merely brings proof that the women were there uh, after Arison, that's not going to help in this case. The Gemara asks, if that be the case, so why then will it yes help the husband if he can bring proof that the moon was there before 
Erusin. So what? You're talking about a guy that's gone this far. He's, we've already gone into she's Nifna Salusha Sabal already. Ihochi the Gemara asks, Ad Shalotis Nami. Even if he were to bring proof like you suggested before, that the Mumin were there before the Erisin, the st- still the same Chazoka against the husband is operative. Namely, the, the Chazoka of Ein Adam Shaisa. And yet, doesn't seem to bother you then. Namely, if before er- if you can, if the husband can bring proof that the Mumin were there before the Erisin, we say that the Baal will win out. Ella. Amrinon, we must be saying then, why is the Baal believed if he can bring proof that they were there before the Erisin? Because of another status, another chazoka, another assumption. Chazoka ain't on a b'mumin. People don't, don't uh, uh, compromise with that situation. They don't uh, uh, agree. They don't uh, console themselves with the presence of Mumin. It's something they don't accept. Hachonami, so here too. Even if he were to bring proof that the Mumin were there after the Erisin while, sh- while she was still in her father's domain, he has something working on his behalf, namely, Chazoka ain't Mumin. People cannot come to terms with. Mumin. It's again, it's something that it's part of what we call the human experience, a human phenomenon that it's uh, we, something we can't expect of people. The husband cannot be expected to uh, to agree to live with a woman with Mumin. So if that be the case, we're still left with a question. Why, if uh, Rova's explanation is correct, that kan nimsu, kan hoyu, is uh, reason enough to put the burden of proof on the other side, why then was it so important for the Baal to bring proof that the Mumin were there before the Erisin? Wouldn't it have been sufficient for the Baal to bring proof that they were there while she was still Bershusav even after Erisin? Ella, the Gemara, answers. In other words, here you have uh, Rava answering. He's a, the answer here is a long answer. Take note of the fact that it goes down quite a few lines down. Ayan Vavam and Aleph. Ella, Mishinis Arsa, the reason that it, uh, the Baal will not win out if he brings proof of the presence of the Mumin after Erusin because in, if in that case the husband is confronted by two chazokas working against him. Number one, chazoka, ha The the woman had a cheskas aguf that she was born without blemishes, and the uh, occurrence of the blemish then must have been some point later in time after he already married her and. If that be the case, the husband will have to lose out. The chazaka ain adam shoyse bekoiselim in bodkoi v'hai rov in the fayas who. And as far as this section of the source that 
we were quoting before that Abai quoted before. Yeah, it's after it's after Nichnas Solar Shuso. What a, we, he waited so to this late stage in, in time he must have already known about the Mumen and agreed and was mispious agreed to live with her that way my Amris what, what can you say on behalf of the husband in, in his favor is that all you can say that that well, you know, people cannot be expected to. You know, even if they're aware of mumin, they can't be expected to live with them. Fine. Have the Gemara continues at the top of Ayin Vavam. Aleph Havi Chadav Mokam Tarti. You've got one Chazoka in his favor. You've got two Chazokas in her favor. The Chadav Mokam Tarti Lo Amrinon. And when it's one against two. So we we don't uh, enable the husband to win out. However, ad shalom tisares. If the husband can bring proof that the women were there before the erisin, then ha made haguf al chesgosoi lo iko lemeimar. Then. <laughs> you, she, she no longer has the benefit of the cheskas because the the proof that he is bringing that the mumin were there before he even married her uh, works to uh, to uh, invalidate or to void the the uh, otherwise potential cheskas haguf. Uh, there's a Rashi that we'll look at together on the. Uh, on the top Top part of the Rashi commentary, second, third line. Ad shelotis aris aval hechoshevi edim, where he brings witnesses shirol ba ad shelotis aris that can testify that they saw this moon before the erusin. Hamed haguf alcheskoso leko lemeimar lahodia shelohoyu ba b'shaz kedushin the hal kaimi edim. So the cheskos haguf that would have informed us that she didn't have Mumin at the time of the marriage that no longer can be maintained because you have witnesses countering that so uh, let's continue in the Gemara given this case of uh, the Baal bringing proof of presence of Mumin before Erisin so she doesn't have the Cheskas Haguf my eco, what might there still be for the benefit of the woman? That since it was, we're talking about a case of he must have known about the woman before he took her in and he, he agreed to be with these women. We have to counter that. A person is not expected to compromise with Mumin, and he has a Cheskas Mumon. So that when you, as Rashi said earlier, Rashi points out that we didn't read it together, but Rashi pointed out on, this, on the top line, second line from the top, that the concept of the husband's Cheskas Mumon is meaningless when she has a Cheskas Haguf. But when she doesn't have a cheskas haguf, as is true here, where he brought proof that the women were present before the kedushin, before the erusin, so the husband's cheskas hamomon uh, uh, stands 
him in good stead. So that as far as the uh, the two chazokas concerning mumin, on the one hand, the chazoka that ain't Adam Shoseh because of both called that chazoka which would have been to the benefit of the woman is cancelled out by the chazok of Ein Adam Mephias Bumumen. So what are we left with? We're left with the cheskas mamon that the husband enjoys. That's what he benefits if he brings proof of the presence of mumen before the Erosin. Rav Ashi Omar. Rav Ashi, a third approach to deal with the Reisha and Seifa of the Mishnah. First of all, Ravashi will tell you that the entire Mishnah is in accordance with Rabon Gamliel. And the Cheskas Haguf that a woman has uh, when she's in her father's domain is a, we'll say, a stronger Chazoka than a Cheskas Momon. And the question then is, if in if the Cheskas Haguf is understood to be a strong Chazoka, uh, then then why is it that when she's in the domain of her father, does the Mishnah say that the father has to bring proof and that that Cheskas Haguf that she has doesn't work? Once again, we're focusing right now at this point in time on the the Reisha of the Mishnah. When she was still in the father's domain, the father has the burden of bringing the proof that the moon developed after the Erison. Making the uh, the husband's deal a Mechaktos. But in the absence of that, the husband will win out, even though she has a Cheskas Haguf. So Ravashi says, Reisha, in the Reisha, Mono Li'abo Biyadcha. The, it's, you have the girl claiming that when you married me, I didn't have the moon yet. The moon developed after you married me. And as a result of that, and you want to divorce me, you have to pay my father the ksuba, because I'm still a minor. So it's, it's really the girl is putting a claim in on behalf of her father, so to speak. So that the father of the girl, he cannot benefit from the cheskas haguf that his daughter has. It's, it's her body, so to speak. And hence, the cheskas haguf of the girl doesn't help the father's claim. The seifa, in the case of the seifa, it was already mono li biyadchah. In the seifa, the, the argument, we'll say, between the husband and the wife was a, an argument where the, where the woman is putting the claim in for the ksuba payment that would go to her, to herself. And therefore, if the Baal doesn't bring proof, so she is able to benefit. She would be believed. Let's take a look at Rashi on the upper part of the narrow lines, the third narrow line from the from the beginning, Ravashi Yomar, Mahadir Nami Luk Mukulak Ram Gamliel, the Chazoka de Gufa Difa. 
As we mentioned, Ravashi is setting up the Mishnah not as a split authorship as Rabbi Lozer did, but the entire Mishnah is in accordance with Rabbi Gamliel. And that the Chazoka de Gufa, the Chazoka that a woman has that she was born blemish-free, Atifa, that's a stronger Chazoka than, we'll say, the husband's Cheskas Momen. The Reisha Lahachilo Mahanya Chazoka de Gufa. And in the Reisha, why is it that the chazaka de gufa that the woman had doesn't help? And we saw in the ratio that the that the father would have to bring proof, and if not, then he loses out. In the ratio, the claim is a claim not really of her own, but it's on for the benefit of her father. The ksuba that would be paid before the consummation of the marriage, that is a ksuba that would be paid to the father. And in effect, it is mono Regarding the father's claim, we don't say that her body status helps his claim. We are, of course, turning back to the Gemara. Ravacha asks Ravashi. We have a, uh, a Tanaic source, but we should point out before we read the source as follows. Even though we say that the Baal has to bring proof, we're reading now in the in this in the text. will concede that even though we have a situation of the uh, we'll say the the, the the their their marriage stages have advanced to the point that she's entered the husband's domain. In the case of Mumin Hurin Lovo Imami Beisavia, the father has to bring proof. Even though she was Nichnasa, the Rishus Habal. Now, when we speak about this Mumin Hurin Lovo Mibesavia, Rashi says, we have a little star, if you can find it across from here more or less in the Rashi, our thinking right now is that any mum that might have uh, existed already in her father's house is what we're talking about. That's the, the thinking, the Sakadaitach at this point. We're going to change that shortly, but in the meantime... Rabbi Meir concedes that even though we've said that once she's the husband has to bring proof, Rabbi Meir will concede that when you're dealing with these kind of women, that the, the doubt arises, maybe they were there before, uh, that, the, uh, that the father has to bring proof, even though she's why should that be? If Rav Ashi is correct, why should this be? She has her claim of the money is to be paid to me. And once again, why not say, as Ravashi claimed, that the Cheska's goof is stronger. And, and she has the benefit of the Cheska's goof. It's no longer a case of It's And we said, when it's she can benefit from her Cheska's goof. The Gemara answers, 
the source where Rabbi Meir concedes that in a particular case, even though it's Nicholas or Shus HaBaal, the, the, the father has to bring proof, be Yaseris. Yaseris is a, a sixth finger, a sixth finger, an additional digit, let's say, on her, on her, on her uh, hands or on her leg, on her feet. And in, in a, with, a, with regard to a Yaseris, uh, this, you can't say that it, it developed after the Arusin. So the Gemara says, Yaseris, you're talking about a sixth finger? My Raya, my see, what Raya could the father possibly bring in, in the source where Rabbi Meir concedes that the that even though it's Nichnas Lushusabal, the father would have to bring proof to uh, to enable him to win out. What and 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 here you can't say that the father is going to bring proof that it developed after the Erusin. <laughs> it's something from birth. So what proof could the father possibly bring to help his case? Answer: Raya. He can bring proof that that this uh, that his uh, son-in-law over here, that the uh, husband he saw it and he approved of it and he was willing to live with it. And in the absence of that, so then, uh, if the if the father can't bring that kind of proof, so then the uh, because you're dealing with this type of mum of a yaseres. So the uh, the husband will win out. I believe that in the event that the father cannot bring this proof, then the husband is left with his benefiting from the chazoka of Ein Odom Mephayis Bemumin.